It is Friday, August 4th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is not my man, Trevor Plouffe. It is my man, Jolly Olive. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well, as we are together in the beautiful warehouse in Jersey City, New Jersey. We are kicking off a three-day floorball two bash. We cannot wait. Uh, Plouffe is, I think, hanging out with his family. So, Jolly, you have officially taken over the entire podcast network of John Boy Media. This yeah, week. I mean, I, I, you can't get rid of me at this point. I'm on yeah. both shows. Trevor Plouffe hanging out with his twins family, Joe Mauer. Yeah, so oh, right. He's got the Joe Mauer on. stuff, right? I would have liked like a courtesy invite of some kind, but it's fine. Trevor kind of big leaked us a little bit. Uh, I'm good. I, I'm feeling great. Floorball's here. I'm excited. I'm in a nice rhythm of I play in one tournament and then I, I hang out on the sidelines for the next, and it feels really good coming off a win. I was going to say, it's, it allows well. you to savor your championship. Some people walking around, some newer faces, they see this champ shirt, they go, oh, okay, yeah, that's someone to be dealt with. I'm not okay. fucking with that yeah, guy. That guy, I need to give my respect. So I'm, I'm feeling good today, Rosie. All right, awesome. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, we will start off with a tip of the cap, which I'm going to have to do fictitiously because I don't have my hat on. No. Uh, because I actually did my hair today. Hair looks for good. Ray, yeah, it looks, looks solid. Yellow shirt. Um, David Bell. Mm. We have so few ejections, it feels like, these days because of replay. He gave us a good old-fashioned one Thursday night at Wrigley. I don't know what he was looking at because the strike zone, yeah. his guy kept missing. <laughs> but Bell came out and went ballistic. So, you know, I don't know if it was to fire his team up who was getting its ass kicked three straight days at Wrigley. Not so much on Thursday, but they had given up so many yeah. runs on Tuesday. You can uh, say Tuesday, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But this was a good one. It was. And I, I think it, it's a perfect match, too, because this is a very, very young team who likely hasn't gone through the, the whole irate manager shit right. before. And that, that might have meant a lot to some of the younger guys on the team. You know, the 23-year-old Christian Encarnacion Strand, who, you know, he's getting his first taste of big league action. This is the toughest stretch for the Reds pretty much all year. They got their asses handed to them back-to-back mm-hmm. -back nights. I think 36 runs altogether allowed by their pitching staff, and they just had a trade deadline where they didn't do much. I think this was building. I don't think this was a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing. I think the frustrations are building. And maybe that let out some of the tension in that clubhouse with some of their recent losing. I will tell you this, though. I had a chance to spend some time with the Reds. We did some content that will be coming out, I think, this weekend. Fun. Um, and I saw them in L.A. That is a great clubhouse. Yeah. God, are their kids awesome, man. We were, I was hanging out with India, got to meet Spencer Steer and Matt McLean, kind of gave a wave to Ellie, mm. um, all sorts of stuff. And they're, they're just a good, fun team. So uh, Arrows, even though the last few days at Wrigley were tough, Arrows pointing up for the Cincinnati Reds. Also, I just want to throw this out there. Tip of the cap to Shohei Otani with yeah. his 40th homer of the year. He's struggled again. He had hand cramps. I felt terribly for him. I mean, the shot of him afterward looked like he was going to cry after I was gonna, Estevez I was point gave up the grand slam. I think it's I think it's really really cool that uh, someone of that superstar caliber can allow themselves to be like so vulnerable in yeah. a moment like that. Yeah. You can tell how much it's eating away at him that oh. he wants this team to win. It's it's got to mean a lot to Angels fans. I thought that I thought that was really sweet. You know what else would mean a lot to Angels fans? Fucking finishing the game and not giving up a grand slam to a dude nice who's barely hit any homers. Has had a good year. He has. He made but a that bad was pitch. brutal. He made a bad pitch. He that did. was brutal. But that was really. Really, really that happens. Tough. It definitely happens. All right, let's get this going with a couple of guys who did change places. Mm. Um, mm. Veteran pitchers. Max Scherzer made his Rangers debut, gave up uh, a few runs there in the first, yeah. but then quieted the Chicago White Sox, got the win, six innings, nine Ks. Jack Flaherty was awesome. One run, six innings, eight Ks, as they took three of four up in Toronto. Um, for which team is it more important that one of those two guys returns to form? 
You know, that's a really good question. And I mean, I, if you listen to Talking Baseball, we did a lot of Jack Flaherty talk there. So I'll, I'll limit myself here and I'll instead gear this towards Max Scherzer because I think he is the answer to that question. Uh, the Rangers, their identity was kind of built around this rotation that they built from scratch in the offseason. And the head of that rotation, Jacob DeGrom, went down pretty early. I think right. six weeks into six, the season. Six starts. Yeah. And it was all done. So I think he's uh, pretty much invaluable to him, uh, to them going forward with Nate Eovaldi going down as well, who's been sort of the de facto ace. Scherzer needs to be uh, the bulldog that was promised to the Mets for this Rangers team. And mm-hmm. I think he showed it in this first start. That first inning, he did not look good. He threw 37 pitches. He gave up, I think, five hits in that first inning alone. And then he settled in. It was not a great White Sox lineup, but the point stands that they needed a good start that day. We know how potent the Rangers offense is. If they're down three runs, they'll get those three runs back. You just need to keep them in the game. And that's exactly what he did. Now, they need him to be better than, I think, what he was this last time out. But I still think Max Scherzer is fully capable of doing so because at the end of the day, this Texas Rangers uh, team, uh, they have this potent lineup, but they are going to be built on their pitching that they bought this offseason, and I think he's at the center of it. How, how close to last year? Because he was – people remember what happened against the Padres where he yeah. gave up like 18 homers in that wild card round. But he was great during the regular season. I mean, elite, yeah. elite stuff. He has not been that this year. No, and I mean, I, I, I said this a couple of days ago. He had statistically one of the best seasons by a Mets pitcher in the regular season in ever. In 2022. Bar none. Yeah, last year. Yep. Only made the 23 starts, missed some time, but was still exceptional when he was healthy. I think he can still get to that. He's had problems with his slider all season. He's given up a ton of home runs, 23 ton. home runs and 107 innings. That is yep. alarming for That's sure. A lot. But... I think this ballpark caters to his specialties a little bit better. It's a little bit bigger. And he's got an offense that can really back him up now. The Mets had a lot of inconsistency this year. I think going out there knowing every time you have a chance for a win with Max Scherzer, if he can give you a quality start, that's got to be easing for both sides. But I, I think he, he's a huge piece for them going down the stretch. Uh, I think it's it's Jack Flaherty. Now, I don't know. I've been yelling at the Orioles even since the offseason. Yeah. Like, I wanted them to go and be in the Carlos Rodon sweepstakes. I wanted them to get somebody at the top because I felt like off of an 83-win season that they could maybe get to 90, be in the... Forget that. They have blown past that in terms of my expectations. I've said it, like, virtually every week. It is a World Series-caliber lineup. It is a World Series-caliber bullpen. I'm not sure that the rotation is good enough to... Maybe even win a divisional round. That, that's the thing that scares me a little bit. I don't know. Well, so Bradish has been very, very good. Very good. Kyle, Kyle Gibson has been Kyle Gibson. Yep. Like like peak Kyle Gibson. Yes. Which is a good, solid pitcher. I don't know how he lines up in the, you know, in the playoffs against certain guys, right? But whatever. We might have to deal with that. So what does Jack Flaherty do? Jack Flaherty at this point is more name- than production, Mm -hmm. at least based on his injuries. And he hasn't been great. Now, he's been better over the last several weeks with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think this is actually bigger for Jack Flaherty than it is for the Orioles. And that's saying something, because I think they made the trade thinking that if if we can get him back a little bit, and he threw 97 yesterday, he looked good. This is going to kind of determine if he's able to get it. I mean, can he get a four-year deal with his injury history? Remember, he hasn't been Jack Flaherty since the first... Eight to ten starts of the 2021 season. Right. And, I mean, I, we talked a ton about it on Talking Baseball, but I'll say it again. This Orioles team, they they don't – I long thought, I agreed with you, that we need to make a move for Verlander. We need to go get Rodon. They need some name at the top of this rotation. But at the end of the day, if their starters go six innings, it doesn't matter because their bullpen is that dynamite I at know. the back end of it. And I they agree have that with formula. you. 
it's the problem is is that in the playoffs, and you know this, yep. the at bats get tougher against the pitchers. Yes. So all of a sudden, those six innings that you've been doing in the regular season creep down to four and a third, four and two thirds, and then all of a sudden you've got to get. 13, 14 outs from your bullpen. Yeah. It doesn't sound like that much, but when you are grinding, when teams are grinding against your pitchers, that's tough. Yes. And no, when they see agree. your relievers that many times in a row, they start, great major league hitters start to figure you out a little bit. I'm just saying that you need somebody. I definitely You can hang agree. your hat on. And maybe it is Jack Flaherty. I like the trade a lot for the Orioles. I do too. And never, it never felt like they were truly, truly in on a Scherzer or a Verlander or someone no. of that caliber. No, no, no. But this feels like a perfect fit for them because he has excelled in the postseason before, and he's just ha- he has a track record of some sort. He is like one of the well, – he's kind of like a veteran on this team when you think about it because of how young their lineup is and how young some of their great starters are. Mm-hmm. He, it's weird because he goes from – one clubhouse in the Cardinals where he is a young guy compared to the Yachty's and Pujols last year and Wayno this year. And now he comes over to this new, hot, like really good team. And he's one of the more experienced players. And I think that's a really good opportunity for him to kind of change the way this year has gone. And really, you know, like you said, build himself up for free agency because it is a very interesting class. All right, just a real quick side note. And then we got to hustle a little bit on a few of these topics. Uh, Flaherty's mom, I think, was with him in St. Louis. That's great. Did not have her passport with her. So she had to fly back to L.A. and then go to Toronto because she wanted to see his Orioles debut. Did she make it? She did. Nice. Great picture of the two of them hugging afterward. And she was like, I was not going to miss his first start with the Orioles. Go I mom. love that. That's a great story. Go, Mom. Uh, let's continue on the pitching theme. Which pitcher are you most interested to see this weekend? Max Freed's return to the Atlanta Braves rotation Friday afternoon at Wrigley. Justin Verlander's Act 2 with the Houston Astros this weekend in the boogie down against the Yanks. Or Dallas Keuchel's return to the show. He will be making his first start for the Minnesota Twins this weekend against Arizona. The easy answer, in my opinion, is Max Freed mm-hmm. against Wrigley because they're, they're hot. They just took three or four from the Reds. That's a great lineup against a great team. I think I'm going to go Dallas Keuchel. I know really? that, that might be the wild card answer, but... It's been a while since we've seen the Cy Young version of Dallas Keuchel that we got in 2015 in those later 2010s years. And the fact that he's still kicking around is, is really impressive to me because he's, he's not that old. He's 34 years old. He's right. probably still got plenty left in the tank. And you know what? This is a Twins team that really disappointed me at the deadline. While all, you know most of the AL Central subtracted, we'll talk about your Guardians at some point. The Twins didn't do anything with kind of a golden opportunity to just run away with things. But maybe Dallas Keuchel coming up for their already great rotation can be some sort of piece. And I, in my opinion, this would be the best story of the three. So I'm going to pick him. He uh, he actually pitched really well uh, his last several starts in the minors. Had that opt-out. And Joe Ryan has not pitched great. Right. Came up with some groin issue. Yeah. And now he's ended up on the injured list. So we'll see. He's going to get a crack at it. Um, I'll take your easy answer. Yeah. Max Fried is really important on several fronts. I think he's one of those guys that we forget how great he is. Yeah, definitely. He is a great, great pitcher. He's only made five starts all year because of these two separate incidents on the injured list. Um, So I hope he's able, first and foremost, to stay healthy the rest of the year. Also, the Braves were not able to get the rotation help that they were looking for. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they went in pretty light on the deadline. I'd still like some of their moves with Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand. I think they can probably turn those guys over and make them sure. great. But yeah, this is a Braves team that is going to win the NL East, but also could have used a little bit of help in their rotation. Mm-hmm. A rotation that's been admittedly pretty good, but could be better. But I think, you know, the old GM shtick of, oh, we're adding this guy from the injured list, that's basically like making a trade. It's very, very true in the case of Max Fried, who they haven't had all season and are still having this terrific regular season. So getting him back is huge. Yeah. Um, you mentioned him going against the Cubs, too. Man, that lineup has just been rolling lately. It's been the most runs scored since the All-Star break yep. going up against. That's a tough first ask for Mass Freed. So someone is going to have a really impressive night on one side or the other. And Jamer Candelario, nice start uh, oh, yeah. in his new new home there on the north home. side. New old home, right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I want to welcome everybody to the world of sports cards reimagined. So whether you're a brand new collector or have shoeboxes full of cards in your attic, the Sports Card Investor app completely changes the way that you buy, sell, and collect. You can jumpstart your collection by finding the best prices on cards of your favorite players, helping to build a one-of-a-kind collection, save some dough along the way, which is always good. Uh, it means you can easily track the value of your favorite cards. You find the best prices with eBay deals. You see which players are on the rise, all from the palm of your hand. It's just, you can be walking, doing whatever. If you have a few errands to run, just check it on your phone. You're good to go. They got up-to-date sales data on over 2 million cards. That means you're going to know exactly what your collection is worth and when to buy or sell. You're probably wondering, all right, Rose, tell me where the heck I can get this thing. It's available for free in Google Play and the App Store. So reimagine how you collect and download the Sports Card Investor app today. Are you a nice. big sports card collector guy? I was a big Tops kid for sure. I have a ton of sets from you know mid two thousands. That's uh-huh. like kind of my crop. So I might uh, take you up on that. Okay. So would you go through and like look for specific guys right now? Oh yeah, I had a I had a binder going back. Oh then, good. So I'm very familiar. That whole range of like oh six to twelve, I could probably name you every player in base. So. In my house in in Shaker Heights, Ohio, where I grew up, I know exactly where I kept the cards. They were in a closet downstairs in the basement. We had a big basement, but it was really scary. It was very dark. So whenever I'd go down there, like I I thought like the boogeyman was going to take me. So I didn't go down there that often uh, except to play basketball against my brother. But in our one, there it is, the sports card closet. Yeah. And I remember exactly what the boxes even looked like that had all my cards back then. <laughs> That's some good stuff. By the way, I got to tell you, did Jake sit in this chair when you were doing? He did. Okay. Did a lot of swiveling. I am a, um, I got to change seats, I think. <laughs> I am on the hard wood stool, which is great. I think that's how Jake likes it. Is that what it is? You but, know what? I, I can lead us down the next topic if you want to do a, a little switch here. Yeah. It, the thing is, is that I am, um, <laughs> I am all torso. You're all torso. I am. I have these short little stubby legs, and I'm all torso. Yeah, I just don't know what chair I want. <laughs> I but nice the one I've got right now, I'm going to have to pull Rosie, splinters out of my ass. Rosie, there have been a lot of teams in contention right now. A lot of teams are four, three, two games out, but have been ripping off some pretty tough stretches. The Diamondbacks come to mind for this. The Cincinnati Reds just had a tough stretch as well. I want to ask you, since you're always asking me, which team has not been great of late that you want to see get going you this just, weekend? You just mentioned them. And first of all, Dan Rourke, MVP for getting this chair. Hey. Holy smokes, this is going to help my twice surgically <laughs> repaired back. I feel so much. I have no idea how Jake sat in that chair for 90 minutes. We were in here minutes. for 90 minutes. That's ridiculous. Let that run. He must have the play, flattest ass ever. He's going to play goalie right after this, too. Oh, my God. Um, it is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm. I was worried about them right before the All-Star break, and I continue to be worried about them. Yeah. And they're up in Minnesota this weekend. So, 
We'll see. Uh, Diamondbacks have lost 11 of 14. Uh, they are six and a half out in the West. They are just two out in the wild card. Which is surprising. I know that they haven't fallen that far. I know. Well, that's because Miami wasn't on a great run right. since the break, right? Cincinnati's been up and down. San Francisco, whom they just lost three of four to, has kind of been sitting yeah. in neutral. Philadelphia, same sort of stuff. So they're still very much in this thing. And that's like, if I were to be, if I were Tori Lovello, and I would be like, guys, listen, we are getting through these rough waters. Mm-hmm. We, it's still right here, right? It's right here. Like, we throw whatever managerial cliche you want. It's all true. But what I do and what he will not do is look at the next nine series mm. that they play. Tell me about them. One is against Colorado. Okay. So, well, that's whatever it is. The rest of them, Minnesota, two with the Dodgers, two with San Diego, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Texas. Okay. So, Plouffe always says, and Vinny said this too when he was on, he's like, you want to play great teams. Like, you do. You want to challenge yourself. Yeah. Now, if I'm a fan of the Diamondbacks, I'm sitting here shitting bricks. Like, I'm worried. But... Let's get it going a little bit. You just made a good trade for Paul Seawald. Um, did they end up getting a starting pitcher? So that's what I was going to lead into. That's the only thing that I thought really stood out to me with the Diamondbacks is the fact yeah. that they didn't add to this young rotation where they really only needed – they didn't need an ace caliber pitcher. They just needed a body in there to give them yeah. six innings every fifth day. This is a team that was 8-16 and 16 in July. That was the worst record in the National League out of any team. Yeah, And they're still hanging in the balance, but they rely a ton – on their bullpen, and their bullpen has not been sharp lately. So Paul Seawald, is, there's going to be a lot asked of him in my in uh, my predictions here for August. And they, they don't have the toughest stretch in baseball coming. They should If they're serious about the season, they should beat teams like the Reds, even like the Rangers as well. But it's going to be a tough ask, but especially with Corbin Carroll slumping the way he has. They're not as good as the Reds right now. They're they not. Could, but I'm saying, if in your mind, with the Dimebacks, for where they were leading the NLS for basically three months – you should perceive yourself as a team that's able to beat those teams. I was surprised they got rid of Chafin. I just didn't understand that. Uh, you know, you move yeah. him back to a different role in the bullpen. I like the return they got. They got a, a reliever with a lot of years of control, and Chafin, it just looked like it wasn't a match that was working, and he just looks like a brewer. He like, does yeah. look like a brewer. He looks like Bernie Brewer. He does. Yeah. He actually looks like Pete Vukovic, who <laughs> won the Cy Young in the early 80s. Go There's look it up. Name. Baseball cards. There yeah. you go. You could, yeah. It's, Rosie. Uh, my pick, it might, it might be a, a little bit of an interesting pick because they are in a good spot right now, in my opinion. They're 10 games over 500, and they're one of the top all-card spots. I, I want the Toronto Blue Jays mm, to start playing a better ball. Good they're, one. They're a very talented team, and they just dropped three or four to the Baltimore Orioles, who have been playing really, really well. In fact, they've played seven games in Canada against the Orioles. They're one in six. In those games, and that's part of a larger problem with them in the AL East. They're eight and twenty-three yep. against teams in their own division, and they're running out of chances to prove themselves and really improve that record. And I think if you can kickstart things this weekend, that'll be a, a big plus for them. They get to play the Red Sox. They get another challenge pretty much immediately. The Red Sox just dropped two of three to the Mariners. They didn't really add at the deadline either. I want the Blue Jays to take full advantage of their upcoming schedule and really prove that they can beat the other teams in their division. Because if they don't. I don't know that they can stick to this wildcard spot that they have, a spot that is really below their aspirations, if you had asked me at the beginning of the season. This is the team that should be competing for the top of the AL East, and right now they don't really figure into the discussion in my mind until they can rip off another consistent winning streak like they did last month. I said it for several months that I thought the Blue Jays were the team that had to do the least 
at the All-Star yeah. or at the trade deadline. They're a very complete roster. Right. You look at them and you're like, okay, where's their weakness, right? You could always add another bullpen arm or this, that, the other thing. Ryu just came back. Yep. It's going to take him a few starts to get going, but he is a really solid pitcher I if mean, he's at peak Ryu. They quietly have maybe the front runner for the AL Cy Young and Kevin Gosman, who's had a terrific mm-hmm. year. And they have Bassett, Barrios, and Kikuchi, all with ERAs four or under. That's a formula. So why isn't this team running away with things like we thought they would? And I'm hoping that they can kickstart something in August. I, I, I know there's a lot of Yankees fans yelling out that they're – that Garrett Cole will be. It's the close, man. It's close. Do you think it's close? I think it's very close. I think it's Gosman, Cole, and now Framber Valdez, who just tossed a no hitter. I think those are the three names you got to look yeah, at. Yeah, Valdez, though, before his no hitter, had five really right. kind of miserable ish. But how starts. about it? Your team goes and gets the ace that was here last year, and your first start out that night, you got there and you throw You don't have to tell me. I had a front row seat. From Los Angeles, nice California. Prediction. That was pretty good. Yeah, people got on me. They're like, "What'd you do? Predicted in the eighth? No, I predicted it after no, the I fourth. No, I saw the tweet. Yeah, it was after, early. So it was after forty-four percent of the Guardians at bats. You know why it counts in my brain? It's because the little no hitter thing that they put on the scoreboard. Yeah, and it gets past five innings. That wasn't up yet. So it was not up. Yeah, less than half the game. Was I thought up. it was after six that they put it up. I think it's five. Dan knows. Five's too early. That's way too early. <laughs> you can't do. You it can't. is too. Early. I agree with you, but I think it's five. Right. I say when you get to 67% that's of the game, that's when, it, that's when it starts to hit you a little bit. Uh, did you see their celebration for no other? I thought it was, it was very funny. It was very lukewarm. It was just yeah, like oh, business yeah. as usual. Yes, it was. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, because I think it was the second biggest thing that happened to them that day. <laughs> if you had caught the – if there had been um, a camera phone running when they had announced in the clubhouse that Verlander was coming back, probably like that would have been more bigger exciting. Bigger cheers, I think. All right, we did not have baseball today yesterday. Okay. First time all year we, we didn't do it just because of scheduling issues. I was flying. Plouffe's been doing some other stuff. Um, so I did want to get your thoughts on Stevie Cohen, who, who went out to Kansas City. I imagine he addressed the team. I'm sure he talked to a bunch of the guys out there. And then he met the media, of course, this past week. He's gotten rid of Robertson, Scherzer, Verlander, Pham, Canna. I think that covers it, right? Yeah. So essentially 25% of the most expensive roster in baseball history uh, had a lot of interesting things to say, including this. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't put it on Buck. You know, I, I put it on the players, right? You know, I think, yeah, listen, I think we're hitting in some bad luck. I think, you know, some things that happened that were probably just the opposite of last year. But it's kind of unfair to put it on the manager, okay? I mean, that's, I think that's unfair. All right, now, I really want to ask two questions, so I'll start with this one. Okay. Do you like that he came to Buck's defense here and pointed the finger at the players? I did. I did like that because this does fall on the Mets players. If a lot, And Mark Canna had some great quotes after he was traded. He said, if we didn't want this to happen, we should have played better. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the fact of it. Yeah, you can argue bad luck. You can argue some tough stretches in June and that they had a great – they had the best record in the National League in July. I don't know if a lot of people know that. But Jeez. at the end of the day, it comes down to the players underperforming. And a lot of the ones that were underperforming – got shipped out, namely Scherzer and Verlander. And, I mean, it, it comes down to them. There was a lot of pressure on their shoulders to be the guys for this rotation. But I think the Mets made the right call. Now, the justice settled, and I've had some time to really sit with it, and we actually didn't do a ton of this on Talking Baseball, so I'm glad we're doing it here. The Mets needed to rebuild their farm system. They had one of the worst farms yep. in baseball, and all the guys they traded were on close to expiring contracts that weren't going to be a part of the plan in a couple of years. And then if you go fast forward a couple of years and you had the farm system that the Mets had in place before the trades, they're in a bad spot. Now you're looking at 
Do you want to be in a bad spot this year, but try and go for it and maybe make a wild card? Or do you want to reset fully to actually achieve the World Series aspirations that you've been promising people? And I think Met, the Mets made the correct bet there. And Steve Cohen had a really great uh, quote later in his interviews that he said, hope is not a strategy. And mm -hmm. I really agreed with it because I Mets fans, by nature, are hopeful because our most notable seasons have been very magical. Like those are the words that usually gets tossed around. But that's not a formula for consistent, sustainable winning that if you want to be the Dodgers of the East, you can't rely on magic and hope. So the Mets made a cold business decision to get rid of these players. And I like Steve Cohen backing his manager that he fought hard to bring in that won him 101 games last year. Like, that's not fluky. That doesn't happen out of nowhere, especially with a proven guy like Buck. So... I also appreciated him coming to face the music, too. He didn't have to come to Kansas City or mingle with the players. Or that anything. was the other question. Was This is the second time in a month, right? He had that press conference yeah. up in New York, and now he flies out to Kansas City. Do you like it that your owner came out publicly twice in the last four or five weeks and sat in front of the cameras, or is it just a little bit too much? You know what? I, I like it better than him tweeting. I know the tweeting was a lot of fun for a while, but right. it, it was starting to get a little bit. It's it, passive aggressive. It was, it was a little messy. I'm not going to lie. I don't like using that word. That's Jake's thing, but it was a little messy. The fact that he's coming out in the lowest points of the season to face the music and really talk to the media and explain his thought process, I feel is, is very important to me as a fan because this is the guy that we're putting a ton of hope into. I'm, not, I'm no longer putting hope into the roster that shipped away. I'm putting hope into Steve Cohen mm -hmm. that he knows what he's doing and he knows how to correctly spend his money and bring in the right people to build a championship caliber team. So if he were to be quiet this entirety of the deadline, that would have left me as a fan with a ton of uncertainty. And while the rest of the 2023 season is going to be a wash for the Mets, they just got swept by the Royals, hottest team in baseball. Let's mm -hmm. go Bobby Witt. The point stands that they have a plan. They made a decision. They pivoted one way or the other where a lot of teams just stood pat and kind of just let the water roll off and say, hey, let's see what we got. Do we know if he addressed the team? I, it, it was said that he went into the clubhouse, mingled with the players. Mingled. He, he talked to Nemo, he talked to Alonzo, and he talked to Lindor. So, okay. So basically the core of the got team. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth on this because I am the person who says that every owner in professional sports – should have to address the media twice, at least twice every season. Yeah. Once at the beginning of the year, just to get your thoughts on the season, what we did in the offseason, where we are as a franchise, you know, what's getting you excited, what makes you fearful as an owner. Like, right. I think the thing about Cohen, and he is not a, he is far from a perfect human being. Of course. You can go read whatever you want to. Not going to pretend he's but the same. When he, when it comes to ownership in sports, he, in my opinion, he's exactly what you want. Yes. He's a guy who is passionate about it. It doesn't sound like he's mixing into the baseball world when he is not welcome, meaning like, I want this guy, I want that. Yeah. We've seen plenty of owners, whether it's in this sport or other sports, get their hands dirty when they should just be, here's your money. Yeah. And I agree with this move. I'm not okay with doing this financially. That's fine. That's your money too. Um. So I go back and forth. And then at the end of the season, I think that they should have Let's uh, sit down and figure it out. Yeah. Here's where we were. Here's where we did things great. Here's what we need to work on. I and think twice a year they should have to do that. Yes. This time, I actually like it that he flew to Kansas City with the purpose of talking to the players because I think that players need to understand direction. And this happened actually with the Cleveland Guardians. Their president, Chris Antonetti, their GM, Mike Chernoff, got on the first flight out of town Wednesday morning after they got rid of Savali and got rid of Josh Bell, who were two very popular players yes. in that clubhouse, as they were sitting a half game out of first place and 
players, a very young clubhouse is probably sitting here wondering what the heck's going on. They felt like it was really important to get to Houston and to address the players and to talk to them one-on-one. That's leadership. And I actually think that Steve Cohen showed some leadership here. And I, I, I lived as a Mets fan through most of the Wilpon era. And one thing that Steve Cohen brings to the table that I didn't have as a fan before is transparency. I think mm-hmm. he, he'll be the first one to admit that 2023 is a, a failure of epic proportions on the Mets front office. They went for it. They spent a boatload of money to try and get back where they were, and it blew up in their face in grand proportion. With that being said, they didn't let the explosion fizzle out and cause fire as the rest of the season went on. They extinguished it, and they put right. it out, and they sent pieces elsewhere, and they have a plan in place now. And I, I think there's... Something very, very valuable about that. And I don't, I don't want to use this opportunity to be like, well, this team didn't do this and this team didn't do this. But I fully believe that standing pat at the deadline would have been so detrimental. There's to several franchise. teams that did that. And I, I just think it's, it's never a good option. You need to figure out what your identity is and make moves based upon that. Yeah, I thought they had a good, solid trade deadline. We won't know for a few years of course. how it works out. All right, uh, finally, we are all together because floorball part deux Starts today. Yeah. Uh, first of all, shout out to everybody that has been working so hard behind the scenes, putting this thing together. I know you're working as part of our stats team. I'm looking forward I'm to back. that. It is not an easy endeavor. Like nope. the easiest job is for the broadcasters and the players. It's the hard job is for everybody else. Our technical crew that's doing an amazing job, our logistics crew. So a huge shout out to them. They do such a great job. Editorially, I'm asking you this. The co-founders of this business, Jimmy and Jake, Team Baggage, yeah. have yet to raise a banner in the warehouse. Is it a good or bad thing for this company that has yet to happen? You know, Rose, here's what I'll say. Today, I saw for the first time the hook, line, sinkers banner hanging up there in the rafters, and it, it filled me with a really, a really nice emotion because I never thought my name would be up there. Okay. I like playing in warehouse tournaments. I'm off the field most of the time. It was really nice to get one. And I, I, that need has been satisfied. When you think back to the biggest moments in the warehouse, I feel like the guys on baggage are almost exclusively always on the wrong end of it. And it creates a really nice story of when are these two guys finally going to get one? When are they going to get their own names up there in the house that they built? I don't know if floorball's the tournament. I really don't. I don't know enough about the teams to comment on that. But I will say when it does happen, because it'll happen eventually, I will be happy about it. That's what I'll say. Well, I can only dial it back 20-plus years to when I was covering the golf, uh, golf for a living. I, was, I had an amazing experience getting to, like, follow Tiger Woods around mm. the world. And Phil Mickelson was his foil, right? He yeah. was guy who was next in line for everything and hadn't won a major championship. And I remember that our analyst at the time, Mark McCumbery, just off air, he says, Chris, do you think that Phil's ever going to win a major? I was like, nope. I said, I don't think it's going to happen. And then he ended up rolling a bunch off and yep. getting them. And so I'm going to die on that hill again. I don't think they're ever going to win anything. <laughs> I, th- I really believe that I'm worried about them. I think their athletic peak has passed them by. Um, I don't know if they have enough. Now, they finished runner-up to the worm burners in floorball one yeah. so that maybe they can draw on that experience. And they're, I think, the only team that returns their entire squad for this. I think you're correct. So maybe being a cohesive unit will help them. I just think it's – and I think it's hilarious – I think I, it's hilarious that the guys who created these barroom games have yet to be able to lift a trophy or hoist a banner. It, it's nice to think of them as a favorite in this one because I do think they're in the upper Possibly. echelon. 
But yeah, man, I th- I think if they ever get one, the the water will roll off their back and they can go. But they they got to get the first one, and that's the toughest one to get. I don't know exactly when this is coming out, but uh, it'll be in the fall, and so we're excited for it. All right, dude, always great seeing you, Appreciate and it was you. fun doing this in person. In person, yeah, exactly. Not over the flat screen of Zoom, so Beautiful. this was nice. Uh, for our one of a kind producer Dan Rourke, outstanding job. My back feels so much better since you changed <laughs> chairs. Good chair shift. Uh, kind of an ice hockey move, right? It was pretty in good. It was seamless. Too. It was. It was very it nice. Awesome. And Jolly Olive. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Monday on Baseball Today.